This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. From Variety, celebrating more than 115 years covering the business of entertainment, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. I didn't know half of it. I, I didn't know a quarter of it, how, how it really worked, what really happened, or how it was formed, or what it meant, you know. what. And, you know, that's I, I'm really fortunate. I have a job where you almost, even if you don't want to, you have to learn something. <laughs> it's like if, if you say, I know, I don't want to know anything else in the, in the world. I know enough. I don't want to. You can't help it. You just... You open a script and start reading things, you you know, it's kind of a great thing about the job. For Dope Six star Michael Keaton, like all of us, he was aware of the opioid crisis, but the Hulu Limited series taught him a lot more about the origins of the tragedy and the actions of the Sackler family that caused so much misery. I'm Michael Schneider, and on this bonus episode of the Variety Awards Circuit Podcast, we talk to Michael Keaton about Dope Sick, as well as, yes, what it's like to return to that Batman suit. It's all next on this edition of the Variety Awards Circuit Podcast. Stay close. Creator Danny Strong adapted Beth Macy's 2018 nonfiction book, Dope Sick, to create the Hulu streaming series of the same name. The limited series, starring Michael Keaton and Caitlin Deaver, has its roots in a real-life crime story, the introduction and marketing of the highly addictive painkiller OxyContin. It toggles between timelines to show the rise of Richard Sackler within Purdue Pharma, the family-run manufacturer of OxyContin, and the attempt by justice officials to curtail the company's deceptive marketing practice as the drug infiltrates an Appalachian coal mining community. Keaton plays Samuel Phoenix, an old-school doctor from a small mining town in Virginia who begins prescribing his patients OxyContin to relieve pain. But even he's not eventually immune to addiction. does the exact opposite of what connection does, right? Addiction tears apart. Tears apart friendships. Tears apart marriages. It'll tear apart a family. Tear apart a whole community. Part of the reason we relapse is because of pain. There's some kind of pain that's in a lot of us, or all of us. We just don't want to feel anymore. And the further we fall into addiction, pain says to us, hell, we'd be better off just feeling nothing at all. So we go numb, and our souls go numb. Now we've got a real problem. You know, pain is just pain. Not good, not bad. 
just part of being a human being. And sometimes good can come out of it if we're brave enough and willing to go a little deeper, work our way through it, try to overcome it. Well, we just might find our better selves. I recently spoke with Keaton about Dope Sick and what went into this powerful series. Well, I remember going back to when you did Last Week Tonight with John Oliver and you read some of that Sackler testimony. That was before you had signed up for this, right? That was sort of like almost a prelude to you doing Dope Sick. Yeah, I know. Uh, Coincidentally, right. I was uh, working on, I think, Worth or I was doing SNL. I think I was doing Worth. I can't remember. And uh, they called and asked if I would do it. And I'm a fan of the show and John Oliver's. And uh, I ran over and did it. Yeah, that was pretty, pretty interesting. So I was aware of the story. Uh, I was aware of the uh, uh, case or situation. Yeah, yeah. And that crazy testimony. I mean, the ridiculous Richard Sackler testimony. (laughs) You were already aware. Um, so, so in, in some ways you were perfectly prepped for this when they came to you, I assume when Danny Strong came to you and, and told you more about this project, uh, kind of yeah. tell me how that all kind of came about. You would think I was, but I wasn't because <laughs> there was so there, there was, and is so much more to it, obviously. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Danny, um, I, I'm, I'm working with Jay Roach and, uh, some other folks on a project and we we're talking to Danny. I said, I might be doing this thing with Danny Strong. And he uh, he gave a, a strong seal of approval. We talked about it, but I said, I'm getting this thing I read and writing's really good. And then uh, Danny and I talked uh, and really honestly, I mean, yes, I cared about the subject matter a lot. Uh, thought it was, you know, uh, you know, important, but, you know, that can be, that can sound pretentious, but it, it is an important issue. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Not only, not only just the sacro situation and the opioid crisis, but big pharma, you know, and and all that. So, so um, I think I'm fortunate in my occupation that I get to do what I like to do and have the opportunity to uh, move people in certain ways that sometimes might make a difference. I mean, most people don't aren't fortunate enough to have a job like that. I am. So there was that. But basically, it was just something that was really well written and uh, an opportunity to play a character for out over eight episodes instead of just, you know, ho- hoping you get it right in, a, in, in two hours, you know. Yeah, I mean, what, what for you in, in sort of, uh, you know, in, in spending more time on a project like this, uh, you know, how much more prep goes into doing, uh, you know, a, a series like this as opposed to the, the kind of prep that you normally do for, for a two-hour film? I don't know if there's more prep in that regard. There's more to consider just because of the logistics of things or or how things are shot or how things are going to play out over a longer period of time, maybe, you know, yeah, literally time, time in your life and how you're gonna stay consistent with the character, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and you know, it's just a different rhythm. Uh, 
Um, but mostly it was just for me because it was um, truncated. My, my schedule was because it had to be. It made it more difficult, but uh, in weird ways, it kind of made it easier. And, and uh, uh, you just kind of had a, it, it ended up kind of being like a movie shoot anyway, especially the first couple episodes with Barry Levinson. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Obviously, bringing that that movie style to it, and and also you're a you're a busy guy these days. I assume you were probably juggling a, a couple of things at the same time, or, or or how did this sort of work into your schedule? Give given all that you're you've been doing these days. Well, they uh, they help the the production. I mean, I'm just you know I'm an exec producer, but you know it was really depend. You know, I I couldn't call the shots in terms of of saying, well, here's how my schedule is going to work. I kind of said, hey, here's what I have to be somewhere to shoot another project. And I'd like, and I I can't jump from one thing to another. And and I basically, for me, did, but I needed a few weeks just to settle down, you know, get organized, et cetera, and take a minute to before I start something else. And um, so they were nice enough to say, okay, let us, figure out a schedule for you and then they did and then that schedule from an acting point of view made things but I knew this would happen made things you know the made made the job you know the degree of difficulty went up <laughs> you know um but but that's okay you know there was no choice it was either that or say boy I like this but I I really it doesn't work for me right now um and so uh it did work for me if if they could make that work and they did yeah, yeah. And obviously there's so much going on in Dope Six, so many different stories, so many different timelines. There's yes. I, I, this must have been a really interesting thing, especially for the powers that be, uh, to kind of figure out how to shoot this with the different timelines. And they do a really good job, by the way, of of I, I love the device that they use uh with the rolling dates to sort of help us along as we're watching. Uh, but but really interesting to see sort of playing with time to tell this story. And I, it seems pretty effective. Really, they did a really good job, I think. Uh, um, and that, that's Danny's really good at keeping all of that in his head and, and not panicking and, and no, kind of, you know, he would tell me, would talk and, you know, he had it very, very, very well thought out. But at the same time, there are certain things that he wasn't quite sure. You can't, you can't, you never have all your bases covered in these things. So he, Sometimes he'd say, yeah, I don't know, I haven't figured that out yet. <laughs> but he had supreme confidence that he would, and he always did. And, and I guess we did, but mostly he did. But I think the, the production really did a good job of engaging everyone. And I thought the editing was wonderful in this and, and, uh, and things were set up properly and really easy to understand. There's some dense stuff here trying to explain how the Sackler family worked and produce farm and, and big pharma and how all that really works uh, and make people understand and then carry the timelines and the all the characters storylines along so that everyone not only could follow but stayed really engaged. Yeah, yeah. And there are moments where the characters sort of, I think, explain things that we're all wondering and thinking about that that sort of come up when you hear about Purdue Pharma. One of my favorite moments is when uh, James Comey thinks they're talking about Purdue Farms, the chicken yeah. people. And, <laughs> and the fact they, they, they managed to just like sneak that in. So we're all aware, no, this is a totally different Purdue. Uh, right, right. Which is true, by the way, actually happened. 
which is crazy. I've, I've, I gotta say like, you know, I've learned quite a bit. I mean, we all, we, we've all sort of like been aware of the uh, oxy, the, the opioid crisis, Oxycontin. Uh, we knew the Sacklers a little bit. Again, like I mentioned, I saw, you know, that episode of last week tonight and read the stories, but there's something about the way this story is told in Dope Sick that I really, like, I have a better, I feel like I have a better understanding now of that family, of what they did, of their denials. And uh, I, for you, I mean, how much do you feel like you learned by doing this project? What did, what did you know about this family, this story versus after you started working on this, did, did you sort of learn personally? Tons. Uh, I always compare this to, well, this happens a lot though. Just what you said, Every I think most people, I, I'm certainly like you, and I think most people are like you, you know, if you're aware at all, you know things and then you think, yeah, I, that's right, I understand that. And then you realize you don't really know much at all. The same thing that happened on when we were doing Worth, you know, I, I was aware of the fund and there was this thing and blah, blah, blah. I, I, I didn't know, I didn't know half of it. I, I didn't know a quarter of it, how, how it really worked, what really happened or how it was formed or what it meant, you know, what I had forgotten all about the airline industry and whatever you know, if that went down, what was going to happen? I never really probably thought about it that much. You know, when I did The Founder, you know, there were all of these stories about how McDonald's was started, you know, and, and kind of these uh, folksy, like uh, old wives tales about it. And I guess I kind of was one of those persons, people who thought, yeah, like, something like that probably happened. And that's how it got started. Then it became, I didn't even know there were McDonald's brothers. Right. Um, and and so or milkshake machines right that whole milkshake and, machine right uh, right and you know that's I, i'm really fortunate i have a job where you almost even if you don't want to you have to learn something <laughs> like if, if you say i know i don't want to know anything else in the in the world i know enough i don't want to you can't help it you just you open a script and start reading things you you know it's kind of a great thing about the job um, and so in this case, no, I didn't know that much. I knew about the Sacklers. You know, I read a lot of newspapers. I watch a lot of the news. And I'm, you know, I pay attention to things. But I didn't know, I didn't even know probably an eighth of it, you know. Uh, and, I, and even as we were doing it, every day I was learning something, uh, uh, something new. Well, timing is everything. And of course, the fact that there was that settlement that took place in September, right before you guys launched the show, um, what did you think of that? It's it's a, obviously a controversial, uh, you know, that Purdue Pharma is no more, but the family has no liability whatsoever. They're absolved. They can keep their billions of dollars. What do you think of that? Well, I hate it. And at the same time, I look at it differently. I look at it with, you know, on an emotional level, you kind of can't believe it. And on the other hand, you go, well, of course, that's what's going to happen. Of course, that's how it's going to work. You know what I mean? And and in a cynical way, but but in just an honest way, you go, oh, I see. Yeah, here we go again. And that's what's going to happen. And it kind of drives you crazy. Now, now I'm not sure all that where that stands right now, because the last I heard, they said, yeah, you know, in terms of the the uh, decision to say, once we pay this, we can never be held accountable again or, or be taken to court for anything pertaining to, and I'm, and I'm obviously kind of generalizing and paraphrasing here, uh, and any kind of uh, pharmaceutical lawsuits or something like that. 
I think they did in the end win that, but I, there was a hiccup in that, as I recall, where a judge said, wait, I'm not so sure that's gonna, that's gonna happen that just like that here. But I think the final decision was they mostly won that. So what I thought about it was I hate it. On the other hand, I went, yeah, this is what, what's gonna kind of happen. And, uh, you know, money talks and power talks. And when you can hire the best, you know, um, and you know, as we were talking about today, this is like the micro, it's a big micro of the macro, you know, big pharma of, of inequity. Uh, so we're looking at this one story. There's a, a lot of this, you know? Yeah, <laughs> a yeah. Lot of this. And, and that's why you're not surprised sometimes why people, you know, I mean, they, they have an, an emotional reaction to attorneys and lawyers. <laughs> They kind of blame them, and but the whole legal system, you know, and the and the inequity, uh, often. Um, it's a great scene where they in in Dopesick where they're about to settle, and 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 they you realize, well, you know, I can see why people in this town would say, well, you know what, we got a little victory, and some people are going to be helped by this, so okay, we'll take a hundred grand or whatever, and then, you know, Stavith says, nah, I don't think so. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to be part of this. This is, uh, we're, we're going for, this won't do it. Um, I don't want to give too much away in the scene, but, uh, and, and that was, that's huge. You know, that took a, that took some real guts. Um, so, so, you know, you hate it. And at the same time, you realize that's how it works and it drives you even crazier when you think about it. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, again, we get a little education in Dopesick about how the DEA was gutted years ago during the Reagan administration, basically pharma, big pharma self-regulates for the most part. And, and yeah, there, there's a moment where the Purdue folks uh, uh, are talking about entering the German market and they're like, actually, yes. no, Germany actually has regulations. It's not going to be, it's not going to be a cakewalk the way it was in the United States. So. Yeah, there was a thing on this morning. I was saying I was watching television, watching television, uh, watching one of the cable news shows and uh, cable talk shows, I guess. And and you know, they were just talking about this. Is just we're just talking about you know OxyContin in this case, which is all, you know. There's that, and then they were just talking about the you know the basically, and I'm not being dramatic, or the price gouging. By pharmaceutical companies, you know the the the, the costs right now, and they're and, and it's getting worse. Um, you know they were using the, the cost of insulin as an example. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's huge now, and in Canada it is not, in the UK it is, is not, and 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 you have to say you know something has to be done, you know, with the healthcare system it just does. I mean, I'm I'm a fortunate guy. I go, man. That, this, uh, it happens to me. I look at it when I go to the drugstore, I go, are you kidding me? But at the same time I go, yep, okay, here. And I write them a check and I get it. And I'm fortunate that I can do it. There's a lot of people who can't do it. I honestly think, I don't know how these, how many, many people get by. It's just unfair. And so, you know, I know there are a lot of people who scream, you know, we need government out of our lives. There's a lot of cases where you need government in your life. After the break, more with Michael Keaton. From Los Angeles, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. it's 
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we're back. It's the Variety Awards Circuit Podcast. I'm Michael Schneider. We're talking to Dope Six star Michael Keaton, who plays small-town Dr. Samuel Phoenix in the series, a look at the origins of the real-life opioid crisis. Through most of the series, Dr. Phoenix is seen being courted by a Purdue salesman, played by Will Poulter, who convinces Dr. Phoenix that OxyContin is essentially non-addictive by following the company's emotionally manipulative approach. Well, I think uh, another thing that Dopesick does very well is depict the the farmer reps, the the folks who you know are romancing the the both the receptionists who are always bringing the flowers over and and catering lunch for for doctors' offices, but of course, yeah. making doctors like your character fishing or whatever they want to do, uh, romancing them over trips, uh, you know, all expense paid trips to Arizona, and and. You know, I think we've all like I've been in doctor's offices and I see these well-dressed people sitting there waiting patiently and and they, they all have a, bit, a little black. They all have a little black thing on rollers they're carrying around. Right, right. And, <laughs> and those little travel bags. And, and and they have to like they said they're like, we'd love to cater lunch. And, and the receptionist is like, well, we're being catered by, you know, this pharmaceutical company on Monday. Maybe we can right. get you in on Thursday. Uh, it's it's a crazy racket. And, and, and those are the scenes I think. I kind of cringe the most when I'm watching Dope Sick for because, sure. because it, it's such a false relationship and, and your character, like he sees the bullshit, but at the same time, you know, he's, what are you going to do? This, this, this guy's relentless. Sure. Fine. I'll, you know, I'll go fishing with you. And then over time, he's just worn down by this guy. Well, no, what, ha- what really happens though, is he, first of all, he's very charmed by this guy because he's really charming and yeah. he, and he has, he has a, that's why Will's so good in this. He had, Will had to walk that fine line because he he actually is a charming. Well, Will is a charming guy, and then the character is a charming guy. He just is, yeah, and yeah. they they genuinely liked each other. And and uh, and you know he didn't have a son like that, so he kind of had a son that he could you know a guy he could hang with and kind of be a son in a, in a way. But also, what happens to him is, and I think this happens with doctors; they don't know everything. He doesn't know everything. I, he, he was pretty naive. And he, if you really look at the beginning, he's very doubtful. He doesn't, he doesn't believe it. He says, no, this can't happen. And then he's, he is won over. He's yeah. convinced that there is something to it. And then he's put in his position where he said, I think I can help somebody here. I have a case right in front of me with this young woman. But maybe if the, maybe they're right, maybe I don't I don't know everything. Maybe I, maybe they're right. And that was the mistake. It's not that he says, well, maybe I'll just try. You know, he's he thinks about it long and hard. Um, yeah, and, and it does work at first for his patients. Yes. So he's yeah. he's kind of won over, and yeah, it's 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 interesting. And and this is what having a series allows you to do is you can see it sort of right. over time. It feels earned at the point where he's finally all in because you've seen everything lead up to that. And yeah, that makes sense. It's working sure. for patients. Uh, you know, Danny, Danny was wise that he he turned down the opportunity to do this as a film. It's a two-hour film, and said, "No, I think this is a, I think this is a, you know, episodic uh, uh, project." 
And so, so talk about Dr. Phoenix, your character, you know, he's, he's a decent man. Uh, he's got an interesting backstory, how he ended up in Appalachia. And, and uh, I love that there's like, we, we seem to like get to know this guy pretty quickly and, and who he is and, and he's decent. He helps uh, when he helps Caitlin uh, Deaver's character, uh, you know, he's, he's sort of just a, a, a good guy. Um, and this is sort of through no fault really of his own. He trusted, you know, he trusted the ph the pharma. He trusted like the the what he saw, and and so how how do you feel about this guy? Well, I, he's a very uh, he has real nobility actually, and he's he's a he was a uh, he ex has extreme empathy. He was meant to be a doctor. Uh, he loves being a doctor. Um, he he loves being a, a guy in the community who who people can rely on and look up to. He's respectful, extremely respectful. Um, and he's, and you know, what ha I'm trying not to give too much away. What happens to him happens to him. And happens, happens to, <laughs> there are no real evil. Well, I'm sure there are, you know, some pretty horrific people who, who become addicts, but by and large, people just become addicts out of various situations. But, you know, this is, you know, he's, he was a, he was a good example to use because this is what happens and it becomes a disease. And, you know, um, and I also, I'm proud of the fact that the project really treated people from that region with respect, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I, was, I was curious if you, uh, you know, uh, consulted with, with any, uh, uh, you know, either current addict or a sober addict, especially who... who no, I, then a lot of that I did during clean and sober, and I retained a lot of that information. Yeah. And then I, I take all that information, I kind of break it down to the basics and, you know, just say, okay, here's what the truth is. Here's what I know about this. And then you say, but then how does that apply to this person, you know? I mean, yeah. imagine the shame of this guy, you know, the, the shame of person that he would feel, you know, I'm, people respected me and trusted me and, you know, uh, now, now look at me. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And and this is sort of a an on. I mean, obviously, this is an ongoing story. Uh, you know, there are a lot of doctors out there who have gone on the record expressing their regret for prescribing oxycontin and for uh, you know their experience with that. And and I think some of them actually were used uh, as an inspiration. Uh, you know, in the original in the book, and also for Danny. In, in writing this character. Yeah, Danny created this doctor really, you know, uh, based on two or three doctors, I think from, uh, from uh, uh, Beth Macy's, from the book, Dopesick. Yeah, yeah. Did you get a chance to talk to any of them or, or what's, what's- No, no, I just kind of had a conversation with my doctor. And then, like I say, I knew a lot from clean and sober and well, not knew a lot. I learned a lot from being sober, and yeah. I retained. I remembered a lot, and and uh, you know, and uh, um, and then you know, when you read it, it, it's you just say, "Oh, I see the story. I understand the story." If you understand the story and you understand the character, it's you know, there it is. You know, um, what's been the reaction? I mean, you heard my reaction. Obviously, like I feel like I'm learning a lot from Dope Sick. Uh, are you generally sort of getting that? Are you hearing from people who maybe have experienced? Uh, this this kind of addiction either themselves or through family members. Uh, uh, the fan the 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 reaction is as strong as about as strong as anything I've ever been in. Just in terms of the appreciation 
for it just as a, as a really high quality piece of work, but also they're how grateful they are that it's out there. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of people are saying things that you and I are saying, yeah, we were aware of it. We just weren't this aware of it. We're, you know, this is eye opening and moving. And then you'll hear, you know, people are grateful and they'll give you, you know, you'll read firsthand accounts and, you know, how they were affected by it. Well, um, you did uh, the press, the TV critics press tour this summer. And one of my favorite moments from that panel was when Rosario Dawson referred to you as Michael, my forever Batman Keaton. Yeah. Which uh, I think that's true for, for a lot of us, especially those of us who, who uh, grew up with uh, the 89 Batman. Um, so gotta ask you, how much convincing did it take to sign on to The Flash? What, what convinced you to, to do this and, and to, uh, you know, Bring it back. Um, it was kind of like way back in my, over, over the last few years, I was kind of curious, like inside myself uh, saying, wow, I wonder what that'd be like, or, 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 or wonder if I could kind of, what if, what if I had to do that again? Be interesting. And, I, it, and then it kind of, they, I was approached, uh, and just because I was curious didn't mean I wanted to do it. So it took a long time, frankly, but it, it took a long time. One of the reasons it took a long time was they weren't sure when it wasn't a go project yet and when they could do it. And they still had to work out all the budget um, uh, issues. And so there was a fair amount of me saying, well, I don't know, I'm going to have to see something and it depends on when. And I'm not just going to say, yeah, I want to do it, so I'll do it. It has to be good, <laughs> and and it has to be, you know, it has to be a reason. Um, yeah. And then you know, kind of resurfaced after a long time, and I looked at it again. We had, you know, kind of, kind of a half of a meeting again about it, and uh, then you know, various conversations with the director and producers, and then mostly the director. And we, he and I, would exchange emails, and then I'd think about it for a while, and I'd say. And then I had suggestions and maybe asked certain questions. And uh, he didn't have some answers right away. And then later he'd have some. It was just a kind of, you know, a process that took a while. Um, so it was a fair amount of convincing, but it wasn't like you had to talk me into it exactly. It just, is this thing any good, you know? Um, but I was certainly inside my head over the last couple of years, kind of every now and then I'd, I'd be curious about it, you know? Do you uh, within myself to say, I wonder what that would be like. When was the last time you went back and watched uh, OG, the, the 89 Batman? In 89. <laughs> so it's been a while. Yeah. Um, um, and your verdict so far? I mean, does it feel good? Did, uh, were there butterflies? Was it just pure excitement? Um. Yeah, it was uh, butterflies. It was uh, honestly, it was fun. Really, that's the only word I can come up with. It was fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's very exciting. Very exciting. Um, so you know, we do live in this this reboot culture now, right? I mean, you're seeing everything being remade. Is is uh, anything else from your past that you would consider uh, revisiting? Uh, you know, years later, what's what's the continuation story of some some of your classic films that you 
have kind of wondered, I wonder what that would be like to, to play that character again a couple decades later. I, I'd like another shot at uh, uh, batting against Frankie Grosnick as a kid growing up when I was 12. He, he struck me out three times in one game, and I'd, I'd like another shot at that one. That's one, <laughs> one thing that's always kind of... <laughs> Maybe you can make that happen. Maybe we could televise that. We would get it on what, what, <laughs> one, of, one of the streamers. Yeah. That, that, by the way, that... <laughs> You just came up with a great idea for just a whole TV series. Exactly. Uh, like celebrities going back and, and revisiting the thing that they, they want to, you know, re revisit from their youth. There actually oh. was some, some, there was a thing, uh, wait, what was this? Was it a movie or was it a television idea? Like you get to live out a, uh, something you always wanted to do, something like that. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, All right. Well, we'll, we'll go pitch it to Paramount Plus or <laughs> something. So or uh, your, your pals at Hulu. Um, well, congratulations on Dope Sick. We're looking forward to The Flash and, and everything else uh, going on. Uh, anything else, by the way, that uh, is, is coming up that you're excited about that you definitely want to keep on our radar as well? Um, I'm landscaping my yard. It's <laughs> another show. You, you keep pitching me show ideas. I know, that's right. Celebrity landscapers. <laughs> That's Michael Keaton, star of Dopesick, now streaming on Hulu. And that's it for this edition of Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. Michael Schneider is the producer. Be sure to subscribe to the Award Circuit Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. Also, head to Variety.com and click on the Award Circuit tab to find the latest Oscar predictions and key races, as well as your daily fix of news, analysis, and reviews. For Jazz Tanke, Clayton Davis, and Janelle Riley, I'm Michael Schneider, and we'll see you on the circuit.